Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just pray your blessing be upon it. Help us to have ears to hear and help us have hearts to receive what your spirit would teach us this morning through your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we had a message on Thanksgiving. So kind of off of that, if you will, we're going to talk briefly about grumbling. Grumbling. What do you think of when you hear that word grumbling? I know what you're thinking of. I think of the same thing. It's those people that were walking around in the wilderness, you know, well, because there's no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us out of Egypt? And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then all the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. What shall we eat? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? it goes on and on and on and on and on. A psychiatrist said that in prison, it's ingratitude. In a monastery, it's gratitude. You take the gratitude away from the monastery and it becomes a prison. You give gratitude to the prisoners and it becomes a monastery. What are we? What are you? What am I? Am I in prison? Or do I feel free? Free to worship God. Now, it's not saying that a monastery is the perfect place. Because there's history monasteries that you weren't supposed to speak. In fact, one of them was a monastery that you were allowed to speak two words at the end of five, each five years. And you had to do it in front of the abbot. So this one monk, after five years in front of the abbot, said, food terrible. The end of five years again, before the abbot says, bed's hard. The end of another five years comes before the abbot and says, I quit. And the abbot finally had enough. He said, well, of course you're going to quit. All I've heard and all you've done is complain. Do you complain? Do I complain? Well, I have to tell you, probably the thing that we hear the most from each other is complaining. I hate to be the bearer of the truth, but it's true. We're good at complaining. People are. We shouldn't get on the Israelites because we would have done the same thing. Think of all the miracles they've seen. All that God has done for them. But still, they found a good way to just complain. Now, they always say that the difference between, again, ingratitude and gratitude is your attitude. And there's truth to that. But really, biblically speaking, it's perspective. If the focus is on our circumstances and the situation we find ourselves in, whether it be physical or mentally or emotionally, then of course what we're going to do is complain. 
Because I don't know if you've known this or not, but let me be the bearer of bad news. This world is not a perfect place. And, believe it or not, I'm not perfect. But the worst news is, is you're not perfect. We're not perfect. And when there's no perfection, what that means is there's going to be things that go wrong. It's just the way it is in this fallen world. The world is continually having mishaps and problems, trials, tribulations, and turmoil. Now, if that was the end of human existence, then hey, then we should have pity parties. We should have complaining parties. We should all be able to complain freely. Because what is there to hope for? Now, I just explained to you and expressed to you the world, right? Even the wealthy complain. The poor complain. The middle class complain. Communists complain. Republicans complain. I mean that as a republic. We're complainers. Do you know the United States, who really is the blessed country of this world, has more suicides than any other country? More murders? This country, where you have free will, where you have liberty. Why? Because that's not the answer. Circumstances is not the answer. Political parties is not the answer. Because we'll find something to complain about. Doesn't matter where you're at, no matter how perfect the situation may be, you'll find something to complain about. Why? Because that's your human nature. You came in here with an attitude already in coming into this place. What was it? No, you don't have to tell me. Whether you didn't get enough sleep, whether a baby was crying, one of your children was complaining, brought you into complaining, that it was too cold this morning, that there was no snow on the ground this morning. Whatever it was, you, we can find something to complain about. The car didn't start right up. The heater's not quite working. We're good at it. It's what we do. But see, we as believers, we have something else to really focus on. And if we are able to focus on that, then it'll help eliminate most of our complaining. I would like to say all of it, but let's face it. We are human in this fallen nature, and we're not perfect yet. Can you imagine heaven is a place? There is no suggestion box in heaven. There's no complaint department in heaven. Now, I read about an old woman who was going to go to the complaint department in an old department store. And as she walked through the door, there was horns and bells and whistles blowing all over the place. And they threw confetti confetti at her. And they brought a hundred dollar bill to her and said, you are our one millionth customer. Welcome. And then as the radio announcer comes with the microphone, tell us, why did you come to the store this morning? Well, I came to go to the complaint department. But isn't that the way we are? Now, if you have your Bibles, and we will do this fairly quickly, trust me. We have a psalm, and the psalm is titled Thanksgiving. (laughs) Appropriate? It's Psalm 100. And if you will, it's from a a hymn. It's not from a hymn, but a hymn, the old hundredth, is from this psalm. 
what we'll do is we'll read through it, and then we'll talk through it. Make a joyful shout or noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye the Lord, he is God, is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. See, the importance of thanksgiving is, again, focusing on one. It's God. Uh, let's look at some of the things it speaks about God here. If you notice, it says the Lord in verse 1, his proper name, the self-existing one. There is no other. It is the Lord. So we make a shout to the Lord, all ye lands. This is talking about everybody in the world, not just the Jews, everybody. Shout to the Lord, all ye lands. And then if you'll notice in verse 3 it says, Know ye that, know ye that the Lord, Yahweh, He is God. And again, speaking of Yahweh, that He is God. All ye lands, listen, there's only one God. And He's a God to know. He's a God that we exalt. He's the God that we praise. Then if you notice again, He's the one that has made us all. He's the creator. You were created by him, the existing one, that there is no other God but him. That he's real. Then if you notice again, it says we are his. It speaks of intimacy. Again, if we could just grasp that for a moment, just that thought, what? That God created you just the way you are. Because it's not important <laughs> what you are in the sense of physically, emotionally, and even if you were mentally. What's important is this one simple truth that God made you. And God, as the old saying goes, makes no junk. Notice also in verse 3 that he's the shepherd. He desires not only to an intimacy with us, but also that he may guide us through life in itself. Through the struggles, through the trials, through the tribulations, through the pain, through the sorrow, through the suffering, through the failure, through the success, through the temptation, through the falling of sin. Through it all. Through it all. Through need and want. Through plentiful. But he is the shepherd. Now notice in verse 5. It speaks of the attributes of God. And if we can get this first one into our minds. Into our hearts. Into our beings. Then we've started on the right path. See the Lord is good. That means all the time. The Lord is good. Even when I find the trials overbearing, the Lord is good. Even when the struggles seem overwhelming, the Lord is good. Notice the next one. That His mercy is everlasting. 
You and I deserve nothing. What we do deserve, we don't want to talk about. But He's merciful. And that mercy is everlasting, which means it'll be there tomorrow too. And the next day, 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 and the next day. You do not get what you deserve. In Christ, He is merciful. But He's also merciful to those who do not know Him. For He brings the rain clouds upon the just and the unjust. Notice the last thing. His truth endures to all generations. Isn't it wonderful to again to come to the realization that even amongst this chaos in this world in which we live and dwell, the confusion of what is right, what is wrong, what is truth, that God says, I am truth. And my truth endures forever. See, His truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For He is the same. Without shadowing or variation, He is the same. And so is His truth. And if you notice, that's what we're supposed to gird up with every day, is His truth. And everything else, if you will, is gripped into that truth. Whether it be the sword or the shield next to it, everything from the breastplate of righteousness, everything anchors on that truth. God cannot lie. That everlasting to everlasting, God is. God has given. And God speaks. And Jesus stands in the darkness and becomes the light, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the person becomes real in our lives. Now, again, the focus is on Him and who He is. But if you notice, I want you to again look at verse 1. It says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Every people everywhere, shout to the Lord. Make a noise to the Lord. A noise of triumph, if you will. Why? Well, it's an interesting little study, if you will. If we look at the times that this scripture or this word is used. And Job, we find that the morning stars, the angels sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy at creation. That God created everything, and it was something to be praising Him for. It was a shout of, again, of the people of God, which were the angels, of witnessing God creating. The next time we find it is in Psalm 47. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King over the earth. We see His sovereignty. We see that God is in control. That it is something to shout about. That God is in control. That God is sovereign. That God is King. That God is awesome. That God has triumphed. Next, we see it in Psalm 66. Make a joyful shout to God. All the earth. Sing out the honor of His name, His attribute, His character, who He is. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are Your works. 
through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. It's a shout of praise and triumph of God's works. God is at work. God is at work in your life today. God is at work in your life tomorrow. God is always at work. And the workmanship that He is doing is always good. And you are that, if you will, that putty in His hands. That He is doing a work. And we can be confident that He, this good God, is going to complete the work. Oh, shout with me. Oh, clap your hands. God is at work in your life even when you don't feel it, even when you don't sense it, even when we don't proclaim it, that God, that great craftsman, is at work and it's something to shout about. Next we could find again. So shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of a psalm and trumpets and the sound of a horn, shout joyfully before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar. Let all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. Again, it shows His his sovereignty. The, the one that is above the sea. The one that's in control of all things. Not only His sovereignty, but again, His goodness and the work that He desires to do amongst the people of His creation. For the Lord, He is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness, He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity, fairness. I was watching something and I watched these things. And this girl, and I've heard this so many times, even my own son questions this. If God is so good, then where's the, how's the way to heaven? Well, the heaven is the way through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no other name among, amongst men where a man might be saved. And the girl said, well, what about those that were before Christ? Well, the guy said rightly, he said, well, those actually had the foreknowledge and understanding that he was coming. Yeah, but what about those that have never heard? What about those that have ever heard today? What about those? What chance do they have if they've never heard the gospel? What chance have they? Listen to me. Please hear my heart. I don't know about them. He should have said, but he didn't. Because she walked away. But the truth of the matter, it's about God's character. I have no idea about those people that were in darkness, but I know something. You know what it is? That God is good, God is just, and God is right. He'll take care of those people. But see, now the responsibility was to that girl because she heard the truth. But what about you? What are you going to do? And that's the comfort we have as people. And this is what I tried to explain to my son. But again, the light has not shined. God can take care of those that are in darkness. But we that have heard and understand, we have to make that choice. And you and I have made that decision. Because again, we can... Rejoice in this God that is just, that is holy, that is right, that is good, that is pure, that judges the nations. The next one we find is in Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just in having salvation. 
lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. When we come in here, do we shout and rejoice in the fact that he came? That he came meek and lowly, the God, the creator, that the angels sing and clap about, who created all things. That his glory, again, it permeates his creation. But this God, this great God, who lowly and came as a man, which we'll speak about even more as we get into the Christmas season, that He came meekly to bring salvation, which brings us to really, if you will, the last psalm I wanted to bring your attention to. And it says this, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. And He has done all this. He is good. And He deserves our praise and our thankfulness. Yet so many times we come in here with the attitude of, God, what have you done for me lately? God, I don't like my situation. Lord, I don't like the way my marriage is going. Lord, I don't like the way my kids are acting. Lord, I don't like my job. We find ourselves complaining, 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 complaining. That I would like to finish with six elements to think about, even through this psalm, if you will. Not only are we to shout joyfully, but look at verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Do we serve the Lord with gladness? Do we come before His presence with singing? Do we enter His gates with thanksgiving? Do we enter His courts with praise? Are we thankful unto Him? Do we bless or exalt His name, His character, His attributes? It's not just here, folks. It's every day. It's His breath that keeps us alive. It's His breath that has made us eternal. It's His coming that has given us 
eternal life. And it's a good reminder for all of us. This ain't my home. It's a different perspective. It's the understanding that everything that happens in this life, in this world, and it's good for all of us. Please hear me. I'm listening to you. That God is doing a work through these things. That He brings and reveals problem areas in our lives. But He also brings our attention that God's got this. That He's at work. We can trust Him. He's good. We can trust Him. He's just. And we can trust Him. He's pure. We can trust Him. He's lovely. We can trust Him. Righteous. How'd you do? One last story. It was interesting back in the day because, see, people were actually given, if you will, um, a, a presence into the presidents physically. They were awarded to come into his presence. Abraham Lincoln, of course, one of the great presidents, allowing people to come into and speak their heart to him. Had another old lady come in. And Abraham Lincoln looked at her and says, What can I do for you? And the old lady said, Nothing. I just thought maybe you'd like some cookies. The great man was physically touched. For a tear began to roll from his eye. Because everybody that came in always wanted something or was complaining about something. Makes you wonder. God hears Every word spoken from every person, that wasn't enough. He hears everybody's thoughts. What does he hear from you and me? He doesn't want cookies. He just wants your heart. Focused on Him. Seeing what He is doing. What He's done. And what He's going to do. He wants us to see beyond ourselves. And into his presence.
a heart full of gratitude. Let's remember that going forward, especially into the season we're going into. Let us be a church that praises Him that is so worthy. And Lord, that's our heart's prayer is to be a congregation that will praise You and bless You for all that You have done, all that You are doing, and all that You will do in our lives, in the lives of those that we love, that You are always at work, that You neither slumber nor sleep, that Your purposes are being fulfilled. And let us be a people that understands this. Not that we don't come with requests, but we first come with a heart full of thanksgiving and praise. That we serve you with gladness. That we come before you with a shout of triumph and joy. For though you came the first time on a donkey, meek and lowly, you shall come back riding a white horse in triumph. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, all creatures here below. Praise you for all the goodness you have done. Praise you for the salvation that is ours. Praise you that you are just. Praise you that you are righteous. Praise you for your loving kindness. Praise you for your grace and your mercy. Praise you that you've called us as a congregation. Praise you that even in the midst of this small body, you're at work. Praise you that you're in the work in our own lives. Praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.